everyone, and welcome to another episode of Weekend at Dave's. I am your host, David Silbert, and we are continuing our E3 2021 coverage, and we've got a very fun episode lined up today. Uh, first of all, uh, let me introduce our guest back for another round is Sam Martinelli, um, Fudge Backlog writer, friend. Yeah, uh, and I'm, going, I'm someone who has been accused of being the Xbox fanboy uh, on the Fudge Backlog, and I would like to set the record straight, if that's all right. Um, I purchased an Xbox One in 2016 instead of a PS4 because it was $50 cheaper. And so because I thought to myself, well, most of the games I want to play on this, on either of these consoles or on on both anyway, it doesn't make much of a difference. And then I said, wait, Game Pass comes around. This is a really good deal. This is a good deal. I like good deals. And now Amanda's coming in here and telling us that I'm the biggest Xbox guy because I'm like, hey, you should play Sea of Thieves with me. It's free on Game Pass. So you can all call me what you want. Uh, But I guess I'm the closest thing to a Microsoft fanboy because I don't absolutely detest them. So I guess for some people, that's the that's the bar. I I definitely should have led. I was going, do I introduce (laughs) Sam first or talk about the the topic for the day? And I was like, I'll I'll give him the floor. But yeah, we are talking about Xbox, Microsoft, (laughs) Bethesda. I guess people could have put that together. But wait, wait, before we get to... So you're saying for Xbox One, it was cheaper. That that led you to buy. So what was the story with the 360 then? I know you you were big on the 360 as well, though, right? We just did a whole Hall of Fame, punished Hall of Fame around the 360. Well, it was also cheaper, as we all know. The PS3 launched it was a million dollars. Um, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you would have to like take out a second. You need a double mortgage on your home to afford the PS3 launch. Yeah, um, right. So. If you wanted to get that in Ridge Racer, it was going to be too much. <laughs> and, uh, was it was it Genji Two? Was that was one of the big uh, yeah, yeah. launch games? With the there? one with the crabs. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, that launch lineup that would have set you back. Well, like the Xbox 360 was also, it, was, it wasn't just that it was cheaper, but also like it was what all my friends had at the time. And so if I wanted to play online, which I was wanted to do, uh, I would play a lot of Halo and Gears and and, uh, and Call of Duty. And just, but that's what my friends had. So that was sort of what led me to that. Um, and also I wasn't, I never had a PS2. I never got into the whole PlayStation generation. I was usually like a strictly Nintendo guy. So it's not like I have this, deep connection with Sony that that lasts a long time. So when it seems like I'm a little extra critical of some of their games, I'm also coming to come going to those games with a point of view of, you know, I don't have the super fond memories of playing the first God of War or all the old Ratchet and Clanks or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm just sort of coming from this from someone who's a little more of a novice in those series. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's certainly fair. I mean, I'm trying to think back now where, um, I mean, I came from the Nintendo backside, the background, right? So I didn't really have a, a dog in the fight with Sony and, and Microsoft. I guess I, I didn't have an original Xbox. I went PS2. Not to go down a long rabbit hole, but I, I'm in the same boat as you. Like most of my friends had Xbox, so I kind of dipped my toes into Xbox 360. Um, but I don't know. There's something about Microsoft where I just always am intrigued, no matter how kind of in the hole you want to say like i don't know like i don't want to bring in random sports analogies but if they're down for the count (laughs) with uh you know some of the flack that they've had you know during especially during the generation of the xbox one with kind of lack of first party software and rightly so this was kind of the time when 
Phil Spencer came up 2014 Gamescom talking of a, a big show, gonna like write the ship. We got all this great these great projects, you know, in the works, scale bound. Um, what was it? Oh, what God. was the um, <laughs> what I'm trying to uh, crack down three? What was the um, the Phantom Dust? That was it. Phantom was Dust. Phantom Dust basically, all, yeah. Re-core re-core. Then. I mean, none of these things work. Yeah, that was definitely what. None of these things really worked out well. Um, or even but, exists. Yeah, like, Scalebound and uh, yeah. and Phantomus right. remake were canceled. <laughs> yeah, right, and then we got a lackluster port of I don't even know if you want to call it a, a re, like I don't know what you want to call what we ended up getting for uh, Phantom re-issue. Dust, but it wasn't a good. Re-issue. Yeah, a yeah, reissue. I like that. You'll get like a, you know like the Beatles or the Rolling Stones or something will reissue one of their CDs with like a couple extra demos on it, but it's the same album yeah. you already had. Like that's what that was. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder about that when you have like a posthumous artist, and I'm like, wait, wait, Frank Sinatra's been dead for decades. Why are we getting a new album? It's like, oh, it's yeah, this is this is not new. This is nothing new. Like <laughs> I'm not Tupac, excited. Or it's like Tupac, where he's not dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <We're> not, <laughs> right. Are we sure Frank Sinatra's dead? Have you seen the body? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know. Have maybe I'm Frank Sinatra. I mean, or maybe you're Frank Sinatra. I haven't seen the two of you in the same room, so. You know what? I also um, have not seen the two of us in the same room. Yeah. Um, cool. No, well, I know. I But I think that I, I have definitely felt that Sam is the go-to Xbox person, which is why I was a little bit surprised when you want, you sprang and we had our first chat was definitely Nintendo. You were like, sign me up for Nintendo. I mean, I consider both of us are kind of in the, in the trenches for Xbox. And now I've learned it's it's not out of like fanboyism or you know it's not out of like fandom it's more out of like we we just happen to have <laughs> been in that ecosystem for a long time and we're familiar with a lot of the games and franchises. Um, well, also it's I, it's like I, I just it's just like sometimes little things make the difference. Like for me, like if you're someone who really likes the Sony exclusives, then there's nothing Microsoft can possibly do to win you over. But if those exclusives don't really call out to you, everything else sort of comes into play, whether it's the controller or the UI or just the online experience, the store experience, like these little things that kind of make a little little bits of difference. That's one of the reasons why I stuck with Xbox uh, or one of the reasons why I stuck with Xbox for the new consoles, because I just like the way it works. I like the way the controller feels, especially the new Series X controller. I just, I like the ecosystem. And so, you know, does that mean I'm going to miss out on some really cool PS5 games? Probably, at least until I can buy a PS5 for seven or eight years, whenever it's available. Um, But yeah, I think those little things make a difference. And like, that's why, you know, I don't know where you land on that with Xbox, with like their controllers or or general user experience. But that's one of the reasons why like I still enjoy playing games on Xbox and prefer to play games on Xbox when I can. No, I mean, well, I, I did want to talk about that. I, let, let's start there, right? With um, kind of the launch of the Xbox Series X in November 2020. Um, I think it was, that was something that was, I, I mean, I think what's kind of taken the internet ablaze is I can't find a PS5. Like that's kind of what people tend to gravitate to is like, I can't find a PS5. I, I think people are also having trouble finding Xboxes, but it's just slightly less, you know, I, slightly less fervor, or, I don't know, uh, energy around that, right? Um, but I, I would love to hear what you think about, cause we both have a, a series X at this point, right? Like I'm in the same boat as you, like I'm, 
I've always been a fan of like the uh, Microsoft's controller. I just something about it. I feel like they've kind of perfected the craft. I I even feel like the slight sh- uh, changes that they've made, the tweaks they made for the Series X controller, it's almost like is it better or is it like was you know I I think the the one controller was almost kind of you couldn't really get better than that. I think. I don't know. Series X has like a little bit more of like a grip on the back. You have obviously like a new like screenshot button, which is nice. Um, but I'm I'm of the mindset that uh, for the new I don't know the new console, the X uh, the controller's like perfect. The box itself gorgeous for for whatever that matters, right? It seems like it's well constructed. You know, it's it's it doesn't take up too much space next to my PS5, which is like you know kind of like a behemoth it's a monstrosity it's dare i say kind of ugly uh, i think the, the series x is i don't know i like the form factor of, of of the whole box the controller um it's using the same ui as the xbox one so i feel like i'm not like left out the pasture like i understand what i'm looking at of course the byproduct is that like it's not as it doesn't feel as next genny because it's just not there's nothing like there's it's not all the bells and whistles of like you know you sign on to your PS5 for the first time you have a new DualSense controller you have you know a, a new UI to dive into which is arguably worse that's <laughs> something that would also riff on I think that's the thing is like yeah the Xbox Series X doesn't feel like the the, the big leap that a lot of people want but I do think well, first of all it does have the technological leap like uh, yeah. if you play I, I played Resident Evil Village recently right. and that's like it, it's comp- it's basically the same as the PS5 version. It definitely it, like the new the new console definitely makes that game experience better. Um, I also think I, I kind of like the honesty of Microsoft in approaching this. Of yeah, first of all, they were they said it the whole time it's like we're not viewing console generations in the same way anymore. We're not telling you that once you get an Xbox One, you can't go back and play the old games, or once you get an Xbox Series X this is going to be the next big, 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 big thing. They're basically telling you, you know, most of the changes in the actual games are pretty marginal at this point. Like you're getting pretty diminished returns every single time. Um, So like, even when I see like that trailer for, uh, for Horizon Forbidden West recently, right? like it looks like, oh, I expect the next Horizon Zero Dawn game to look really good. I expect it Mm -hmm. to have more underwater stuff. Like this is just sort of the logical next step in games. So sure. it doesn't make sense for them to say, well, if we already kind of have the UI down and the controller, we can just make some minor adjustments to that. And, you know, the games themselves, we want to do cross-gen so no one feels like they're missing out. Like, I kind of like that that approach because it doesn't lock people out and it doesn't, it doesn't make me feel like they're BSing me into telling me that what I'm doing now is the next big thing is is something that's never been possible before when it like it's just sort of you know the next step it's the next logical step in games and that's what ps5 is doing too but i feel like there's a little bit less of there's not as much honesty in in that regard in my opinion yeah no i mean i think that's a great point and it's it kind of bleeds into into my i have a series of questions to, to ask you in terms of if we look at microsoft specifically let's say past 12 you know past 12 months there's, there's a couple of lenses I feel like we can look at Microsoft to kind of assess how they're doing. I know I'm trying to think of the score that we had. I, if I recall correctly, Nintendo, we had a 
B minus perhaps, and I think Square Enix K gave a B. Um, looking at Xbox, I feel like it's it's it doesn't do quite enough justice to just kind of take a blanket look at Microsoft Xbox and be like, all right, like grade the past twelve months because I think it depends on really how you look at. I mean, do we want to take into account the transparency, like the little uh, quality of life? I don't want to call it quality of life, like backwards compatibility, right? Being honest about we want you to have you know carry all of your games from with you um forwards compatibility for your xbox one accessories so if you have xbox one controllers those work on your xbox series um you know making sure it's seamless like any kind of save transfers smart deliveries smart delivery as well smart delivery yeah Um, like that that makes a big deal for me when i like i know people when if you're buying for just going back to resident evil village like you have right. to make sure you're buying the right version of that game on PlayStation, whereas on Xbox you can buy it on either one, and or, or Assassin's Creed Valhalla or uh, Marvel's Avengers or what or, or MLB The Show 21. Like you're just gonna right. automatically get the, the the right version. Right, right, and 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 that and that doesn't even speak of um, you know those are all great like you know getting to play something on on a shiny Series X, Series S with whatever the you know the resolution upgrade, the the frame rate. Even for stuff that's decades old, right? Like if you're going now and playing some of the older 360 um, Xbox One games that are just getting that kind of system-wide, like architectural um, frame rate boost that Microsoft has made possible. Like I'm thinking about on PlayStation where I have The Last Guardian, which is a game that was notoriously ran horribly. I think you'd be it's like a slideshow. You'd be lucky for it to actually hit its you know 30 target. Um, you play it on PS5 and it and it hits it, but if you play on an unpatched version, it actually is unlocked frame rate and you can get up to I think 60 range for that. But it's something that Sony hasn't bothered to actually like make the effort to do. So if you're playing on any kind of patched version of the game or a digital version, you're locked at 30 when it doesn't have to be. Like you're playing on a PlayStation 5. You know, yeah, you're playing the best uh, thing. You know, for God's sakes. Why does it feel like the best yeah. thing? Well, it kind of reminds me of how. Um, if you put like Game Boy games in a Game Boy Advance, it automatically gave you like the color of them. Like, right. Like even, even if there wasn't a Game Boy Color game, like it would still just put it in color for you, just because they knew. Right. You should be able, like this is a more advanced hardware, and that was twenty years ago. Like even Nintendo recognized right. if you're playing something on a backwards compatible hardware, you should be feeling like you're getting a better version of it. Yeah, totally. And I feel like Microsoft definitely is trying to put the consumer first, make them feel like you have. It might not be the fanciest. You know, thing out there, it might not be trying to catch someone's attention in your living room with what it looks like, but it is trying to put the games first, which is a little ironic given, you know, how kind of slow out the gates it feels like we are with Microsoft. But I do think, kind of to ask the question finally, I guess <laughs> I will ask you this, right? Past 12 months, how would you grade Microsoft? Try to keep it simple, two ways, right? Let's take everything into account. Let's take um, a lot of their pro-consumer moves that they've been doing um, in the in the lead up to E3, you know, to this moment. Um, if you are a consumer that has, let's say you're bought in on Xbox, you're moving from Xbox uh, One to Series X, um, how would you personally look at that uh, within the past 12 months as a non-Game Pass subscriber? And then how, how would you, how would that gauge that grade shift if you are sub- subscribed to Game Pass? Um, so non-Game Pass, I mean, pretty low probably, probably like C, C plus to be honest. And like mm-hmm. some of these games that have launched are really good. You know, um, Call of the Sea, I thought was a really underrated indie that uh, just is a great story, to, great story to tell, great puzzle gameplay. 
looks wonderful mm-hmm. on Series X. Just the art style is great. Um, you know, the uh, upgraded software versions of Gears 5, of Ori and the Will of the Wisps, of, of Forza Horizon 4, those are all awesome. Mm-hmm. But then you look at everything else, and it's like, you get Battletoads, which, you know, I, I've written about, and it's right. a messy game. I definitely think it's the game the developers wanted to make, but I just sort of disagree with some of the decisions they made. Uh, sure. Grounded is fine. Flight Simulator is only on PC right now. Tell me why I've heard mixed reviews about Age of Empires 3 Definitive Edition is a, a popular but kind of niche game, in a sense. Um, mm. The medium was okay. I played the medium a little bit, and it's, you know, it, it showcases the cool new technology of the Series X, but just not with a lot of really novel uh, storytelling ideas. So, yep. yeah, I would say Xbox's software. I mean, if you tr- look at the third-party software, you know, obviously Resident Evil Village is great. Um, sure. Assassin's Creed Valhalla didn't really... St- you know, I didn't like it that much, but I know a lot of people did. But yeah, in that in that sense, I'd say I'd say C plus. I'd say fine. It was okay. It wasn't sure. it wasn't exceptional. But if you like, if, yeah, again, if you don't have Game Pass and you have to pay full price for all of this stuff, then maybe you're, you you would probably come out kind of disappointed. Right, right. And so if we do take Game Pass into consideration, which is again for those maybe unfamiliar, it's like you are basically all the games that you mentioned right any kind of first party microsoft release and sometimes second party third party will be included as part of that subscription often on day one so i think for most of the games here right like grounded uh flight simulator on on pc uh battle toads tell me why uh or in the will of the wisps i know for me was was huge for me call of the sea we both played thanks to it medium we both had the chance to explore i'm i'm currently reviewing the wild at heart and then there's this laundry list of like other games that aren't necessarily like microsoft published they're not you know nothing special necessarily it's just like they are aligned with xbox game pass and so you know i i could just before you kind of share your grade i can kind of go down the list and say games that i know either you and i have both played or at least they're, they're notable ones that have been on my two playlists it's like Crosscode, Carry On, Taurus, Spiritfarer, you can kind of go on, Wasteland, Haven, I, I was a big fan of, Cyber Shadow, Genesis Noir, you liked and wrote in our indie. Uh, That'll be the show 21. <laughs> yeah. That was a big Formerly one. a Sony exclusive, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, all at launch, and then that's that's not even delving into, you know, over the past 12 months, Bethesda, you know, with the recent acquisition, they brought some more of their back catalog to Game Pass starting in October, so now you can play Doom Eternal, you can play other Legacy Doom games, you can play Morrowind, Oblivion, Prey, Dishonored, and Prey and Dishonored are taking advantage of the um, 60 frame, uh, you know, FPS boost on, on Xbox. Uh, EA's brought their catalog, which is not necessarily always the greatest thing, right? EA Play, it doesn't mean that you're getting access to, like, all new EA games. You're not getting access to It Takes Two, um, you know, day one, but you are getting access to Legacy Dragon Age, Mass Effect games. You're getting uh, Star Wars Squadrons. The new Knockout City is also available at launch, as you pointed out. Um, Square Enix is involved. You have, like, a- any Final Fantasy game you can practically think of is on the service. Dragon Quest Eleven, Nier... Uh, uh, Octopath Traveler, Dragon Quest Builders 2, both Outriders. reported Outriders. to Xbox, available at launch. Outriders, a brand new release at launch, and then obviously the, the Yakuza catalog with Sega. So, there's like a lot going on there, and obviously, mm-hmm. tastes, I think if you're not like a, a JRPG fan, <laughs> like I know you and I go going to go back and forth on how, how much we're willing to, to, to tolerate like turn-based stuff. Like, some of this stuff is not going to be equally interesting 
to everyone. But this isn't even all the catalog. That's just stuff that was available pretty much at launch for stuff or was like brand new to Xbox and was introduced through the publisher. But there's also stuff that kind of comes and goes. Like I know I played um, Devil May Cry 5 kind of when it landed on the on the system, on, on the platform, I don't know, a year plus back. And it really enjoyed that. So I don't know. There's a lot going into the structure of this. I mean, what's your take on Game Pass so far and how does it kind of elevate Microsoft's grade, if you will? So if I'm grading Game Pass for the last 12 months. Sure. Um, a A plus like it, it's yeah. I mean okay right. so like a, like a plus might be a little you know pushing it but sure. so you, sure. so for this wonderful document you have sent me you have made several different categories you have like some popular indies over here you have some big uh, AAA releases you have the Bethesda catalog you have EA Play Square Enix and Sega yep. and besides Sega I have played at least one game in every single one of these categories uh, in right. last year um, if you Calculate all of the games I've played on Game Pass, uh, you know, a, a good amount, not counting games like Narita Boy, where I played it for like an hour and then dropped it. Right. But games I really got into, I have already exceeded a year's value of games right now. Like today, I've already, like it's $180 for a year of Game Pass Ultimate. I think I calculated, like I've already played $200 worth of games, if you, if you calculate, because... Right, right. You know... It wasn't just that I got, you know, Carrion. I loved Carrion last year. That was one of my favorite indies. And Cyber yep. Shadow, that was really good. And Genesis and yep. these these cool small indie games. But, you know, I was going to get MLB The Show 21 anyway. I was really excited right. to play that on Xbox. And it's just it's great. I think it's a really good baseball sim. Um, I was, you know, I've, I've read a lot about going through the Bethesda catalog, playing Dishonored, playing uh, Oblivion for the first time. Playing through all the Doom games, uh, Doom Eternal coming out, out on. I guess I played it on Xbox One. I didn't have Series X yet, but like, right. just the idea that this was a game I was kind of like had my eye on for a while, and then it's just there for me, and I can play as much of it as I as I want, and that was awesome. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Dragon Quest Eleven was another great game that I played, and as you know, I've gotten to Final Fantasy Twelve, and that's you know, I know it's one of your favorites, uh, but it's it's like it's really Yours. cool. Tears, <laughs> tears. Um, tears are coming to my eyes right now. Not actually. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, just just thinking about Rabinaster. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like, also, it's Sorry. like with with games like Final Fantasy XII, Dragon Quest XI, and Knockout City, and Dishonored. These are all games I'm like I've seen videos of them. I've read reviews yep. of them, and just to know that I can just try it out, yep. and not have to like risk the amount of money I've paid for them is really cool. And, and, I, and I love that part of it. Like, that's how I play games. It's, I want to always find new experiences. I always want to find something new to play. It's really, you know, some people who can play nothing but Fortnite for six months, it's just, I can't do that. I have friends who have already put in $200 to Valheim this year. Like, that's not something right. I can really do. Um, so having a service like Game Pass is just perfect for me personally. Not everyone plays games like that, um, sure. and that's fine, and, and they, this wouldn't really do much for them. But for me, right. seeing, you know, I'm, I'm just going to keep mentioning Dragon Quest XI because that's a game I would have never paid full price for, ever. Right. But I just saw it was already there, and I thought, you know what, let me give this a shot, and it's like kind of opening my eyes to more RPGs now, and that's really cool. I think that's yeah. great. No, and, and I think that, to your point, it's 
the flexibility that Game Pass affords is pretty awesome. Like, I'm the type of person that RPGs, I'm the, I'm the kind of person that I'll drop 60 on an RPG because I know, A, they're long, so I'll be getting kind of my money's worth from it, I know. But also, I, I'm the kind of person that I see a ticker, like, I'm like, okay, Dragon Quest is on the service, but what's to stop Microsoft from kind of pulling the rug out, like, you know, a month or two down the line? And I know I take, I take so long to finish some of these games, um that there's a there's a large chance i'd start it and wouldn't 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 be able to finish but i mean it's kind of your mileage may vary but it it, there's so many genres available and also like depending on your price point or where you're coming in what kind of value you're looking to get out like there's a lot of ways to look at it right so i remember starting game pass and getting in on like the dollar uh deal right when microsoft's doing this land and expand strategy right like get as many subscribers in the ecosystem as possible and then you know then down the line once they're in they'll be they'll be paying full price but i got in for like i think a year of of, of my existing um a, 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 a games with uh, what is it called i'm already forgetting xbox Live, whatever xbox live uh for a buck and a lot of people were taking advantage of it doing three years. I was like, yeah, like, I mean, I'll just start with the first year, see how it goes. And uh, was surprised at, at definitely the value there. But, I mean, even if you're coming in full price, right, to your point, you're coming in at $180, $200, let's say, for an ultimate um, year of ultimate. Three games, if you think you're someone that's going to play three full price games um, to completion, then it's already paid for itself, right? And if and if you're kind of argument is that, well, I won't, you know, the games ultimately disappear when I cancel my subscription. I mean, the other thing about buying, you know, collectible games or owning physical media is that it depreciates over time, right? So I think this was a good point one of our contributors made back in the day when writing a piece on subscription services is like, if, you, if you're getting like MLB The Show, right, that's $60, $70 now. And like what you wait sports games a year from now it'll be like ten dollars on a shelf right for, for some reason you don't want the latest and greatest you can always just go play it add it to your collection so it's really like something it opens the the palette you know it, it really presents people with a broader palette that they can kind of explore a variety of games and that's kind of what we all do at, at punish backlog is <laughs> if we were just gonna do Fortnite or Warzone articles we could do that Right, I'm sure I play a lot of Warzone with my friends, and we do a lot of that stuff. But to me, that's not particularly interesting, just because I like to explore a lot of the hidden gems, so to speak. And this gives a lot a big platform for that. And again, all it takes is hitting on a few games that you really like, and that quickly adds up and kind of pays for itself, right? Not just that, but like you get access to older games that maybe you didn't have a chance right. to play before. Like, you know, I played the original Doom games. Uh, on X- I played on uh, Game Pass for PC, and I got to play it on PC. I, like as a kid, I didn't, you know, my parents wouldn't let me play Doom on, on the family computer. I'm that old, um, right? And so it, it, it was cool getting that experience for the first time. And you know, same with going back and playing Oblivion, where of course, you know, it'd be cooler if I could go back to 2006 and play that game for the first time when it was a big deal. But mm-hmm. I just love the idea that I have a chance to experience these games and download them pretty quickly and play them on the same controller that I could play Resident Evil Village. And right. Yeah, it's it's great and I think it it's another thing that Sony and Nintendo are just doing very poorly right now is backwards compatibility, legacy content, and Microsoft is, is just far better than either of them at that. They're just saying right. we want to make sure that this stuff is as available as possible. If you want to play these old games, they're here. Go for it. Right. 
Yeah, no, I mean, you can look at <laughs> uh, Nintendo Online, right? Like all the all the backlash to not having like a, a, a real virtual console, right? I, I, preservation is, is a big issue on, on people's minds right now. And, you so know, just the fight. Shorts. Right, people the fight for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just the fight to, to, to maintain the PS3 and Vita stores and, you know, adieu uh, PSP store, not that, I mean... Not, I'm, not, I'm not one to really uh, lament the lack of PSP titles. I, I wasn't a huge fan of that that console, uh, and Vita deserved better. So I'm glad that it, it it gets to eke out a little bit more of its of its life cycle. But it is a good opportunity, as you said, for Microsoft. It's like the preservation side, um, having a one one stop shop for all your games, and maybe down the line, right with the cloud, um, being able to do it on your phone, Game Pass. Maybe down the line, you won't even need the box, right? You can do it on your PC, you can do it on your phone, and that could be it. You know, you're going on the bus and you're just, you know, we're at a point where the technology is good enough that you can play Doom Eternal on your on your iPhone or, or Android and you come home and you pick it up on your PC. Yeah, cloud gaming seems like it's still a couple years away, just yeah. not just for Microsoft, but for everyone. Um, but I do like that as long as they're building that ecosystem, it at least creates at least allows them to build on the technology and, and really just test it out with as many games as possible. And that's, that's great. For sure. Totally. Um, so I guess to transition into <laughs> E3 talk, uh, the real meat and potatoes of today. Uh, but yeah, so a couple ba- background info for folks that need kind of the deets. Xbox and Bethesda Games Showcase. That's happening uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time, Sunday, June 13th. It's a 90-minute show. Um, it's kind of the first opportunity for Xbox since acquiring Bethesda. Um, I guess they acquired, like they announced the, that they were acquiring Bethesda late last year, but the actual acquisition wrapped earlier this year. But this is the first time that we're going to see them on the same stage together, sharing that space. 90 minute show should be pretty exciting. And in terms of kind of what to expect and how Xbox can kind of build on the, the momentum, um, again, kind of sticking with this idea of the first party lineup that Xbox has and also Game Pass, right? Because I think the big takeaway and something that everyone should have on their mind when they're watching the showcase on Sunday is is that, uh, you know, any first party Microsoft game or Bethesda game, I think with the exception of a few kind of oddities, like if we look at some Bethesda contracts that were already in, in existence that are going to be timed on, on PlayStation, uh, most everything should be available on Game Pass, and that's a huge kind of draw, and, and a way that I think Microsoft is trying to kind of uh, align their kind of lack of uh, first-party lineup, lack of content strategy with kind of the success they're seeing with Game Pass. So I see kind of them trying to build a golden path forward for themselves. But I'm really curious to get your take, Sam, in terms of let's look at the things that we know to expect uh, for fall 2021, some of the things that are kind of up in the air we don't have dates on, we don't know a lot about, maybe we've seen CG trailers for, but no gameplay. Walk me through... What do you expect to see from this 90-minute showcase on the Xbox side and Bethesda side? Uh, what are you personally excited about? What do you think we'll see? I don't know. How are you approaching, how are you approaching it? Uh, so I'm, I'm looking at these very differently. So okay. I think typically Bethesda has like the most video gamey video game conferences yes. every, every year. <laughs> yeah. like they're, right. They really want to show you just how video gamey all their stuff is. There was one year it was like... Sure. They opened with Rage 2, you know, post-apocalyptic world. They right. then went to, like, Elder Scrolls Legends and Elder Scrolls Online. They had a new Wolfenstein game. They showed you Doom Eternal, so all the demons, all the Nazis. 
all the yeah. then they had like a uh, that's when they announced Fallout seventy six. You know, you know, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, it was like if you were to write an episode of television, like an episode of Law and Order, about someone going to E three, like they could have just made it something up, and it would have looked like that Bethesda conference. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm expecting them to like do another something like that. Here's here's another okay. Wolfenstein. Maybe here's some more on Starfield, I guess, maybe more on Starfield, maybe some more information on Elder Scrolls 6, maybe a new Fallout, maybe, or maybe some, uh, something that we're not even expecting from, you know, uh, one of their, like, maybe not Arcane, because they're working on Deathloop, but one of those studios they have that's, that's going to try something different. Um, I expect some pretty solid AAA release announcements and trailers from Bethesda. Uh, I don't know what specifically we're going to get, but I I expect that's going to be good. For Microsoft, their own conference is going to be, it's always really mixed because yeah, yeah I expect Halo Infinite is going to be the big thing. Like That's going to be what everyone wants to talk about. Yeah. Um, I assume that's still coming out this year. Uh, we'll see about that. If there's a new Forza, if there's a new Forza Motorsport, that would be really cool. If there's a new Forza Horizon, that would be the winner of the show for me, but I also know that's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, they're they're going to showcase Double Fine, they're going to showcase Psychonauts, they're going to showcase another Age of Empires, maybe a little more in Perfect Dark, maybe a little more in Hellblade 2. But what usually happens during their conference is that's when some third parties will actually premiere a game there, you know, world premiere, and they'll show yeah. uh, in the past, like Cyberpunk, I know that didn't turn out well, but Cyberpunk I, was a game that was, that was on Microsoft's show floor, Assassin's Creed Origins, they got to talk about that before Ubisoft did. Uh, Devil May Cry 5 was announced at Microsoft's yep. E3. So I think we're going to see some of those. I think if there's any big AAA announcement from Capcom, if there's going to be one from uh, maybe Bandai Namco, maybe maybe we, maybe we get more Elden Ring, you know, this game, that, this I, elusive game that surely exists, uh, you know. Yeah, that was, so I, I mean, that was, what, that was what came to mind for me, right, was um, the rumblings around Elden Ring. Do you think that could be the big third-party centerpiece? Um. I mean, I think for a lot of people it would be. I think for me it wouldn't be. Because I assume a, you know, I'm not a big FromSoft guy. Um, but I also assume if George R. R. Martin is working on something, it will not be finished. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> like, the, like it's, it's just going to end uh, with a blank screen before the story is supposed to end. And then he'll swear that he's working on the DLC and that he'll... It's only going to take another five to ten years. Episodic and then the big reveal. It's episodic. We're just releasing the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be. It, yeah, it's going to be weird. I. I also think one thing that Microsoft is going to do is obviously they're going to highlight. Here's some new stuff coming to Game Pass, and maybe there's, you know, maybe they get the back catalog of Dragon Quest. Maybe we get Dragon Quest Eight and Dragon Quest. Right. Uh, maybe like the old old Jack Dragon Quest One through Three. Uh, maybe we get. Uh, Final Fantasy VI optimized for, for Game Pass. Maybe Chrono Trigger is optimized for Game Pass, which, you know, I would like. Uh, maybe they get more, you know, maybe, maybe more Sega games, maybe more Sonic. You know, yeah. obviously they have the Yakuza games that are big on Game Pass now. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if more Sega properties start showing up there. Like, that's that's what they're going to focus yeah. on, I think, for, like, a third of the show. It's just going to be, here's cool legacy stuff that's coming to Game Pass, and if you already have it, guess what? You're just gonna be able to play, I don't know, Sonic Adventure and maybe you know, Dragon Quest Eight or whatever right away. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I think you honed in on something that's kind of a, a question I've been repeating in my mind in the lead up to the show, which is like, from a third party perspective, I agree. I think Microsoft, uh, Phil Spencer, Phil Spencer especially seems to have like be really fixated on 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 Eastern Japanese development. Like, I still wonder in the back of my head if there could be some kind of acquisition coming. Like, maybe you know, I, I know that they're not necessarily done with the Bethesda, you know, stopping there. I, I don't know if I'd be banking on like an acquisition, but um, or something, you know, in the near term. I think Bethesda is definitely going to have the show here. But in terms of like third party, maybe that's where they make up some some ground there. Um, but the interesting question to me is like, with all of the the time stuff, I look at Square Enix. I feel like in my mind with Game Pass and a lot of the stuff that they've managed to accomplish there, there's a good relationship between Square Enix and Microsoft. Which only begs the question for me is like, why why is like every big Final Fantasy game now kind of aligned with PlayStation, though. So, like, why is 16 a timed exclusive on PlayStation? Why is Forspoken kind of the spinoff from the Final Fantasy 15 team? Why is that a PlayStation timed exclusive? Why, you know, the rumblings of this Final Fantasy Origins, I presume that's going to be a PlayStation game as well. Um, is there room for, like, a lot of, you know, for Sony to have now start to really delve into these, like, timed exclusive games on its side with a lot of uh, third-party, you know, cozy up to some of these publishers, and can Microsoft eke out its own kind of exciting third-party announcements if, if Sony's doing that? Because I know that's that was kind of Microsoft's name of the game a while back was kind of the timed exclusives. I know, you know, kind of infamous now was um, Rise of the Tomb Raider, how that kind of went, taking an existing franchise and, and, and making that time for, for a set period of time, and that had its fair share of backlash. And, of course, people are now like, well, what's the state of uh, the status for... Elder Scrolls, you know, what's the status for games like Starfield? It seems like the answer now is that it's most likely going to be Xbox exclusive all the way. But I don't know. How do you reconcile that? How do you feel like Microsoft can make up some of that ground? When it comes to their third-party relationships, <laughs> like, yeah, they have, seen like, they have a good relationship with Sega and Square Enix now, but Sony sure, just seems sure. like a better one. So, when, like, yep. I mean, Square Enix also has always had a good relationship with Nintendo, but that doesn't work, not always, but... Like they were they were releasing games on GameCube and Game Boy Advance, but they still wouldn't release Final Fantasy X on GameCube. You know, it's like, right? They, these companies, right. I, I don't know what is on their mind and, and how they want to distribute these games. It does feel like you know Sony is where they showcase the game, and Xbox is where they make it more widely available. So that's I guess my take on that. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know. I I think. Microsoft's biggest goal, and why, and the main reason why I say they're not trying to do the same thing that Sony is, they're trying to separate themselves, is they just want to make sure that you, when you think of playing a new game, you think of playing it in their ecosystem. And it doesn't have to be, like Microsoft doesn't really have much of an identity outside of, uh, software-wise at least, outside of, you know, Forza, Halo, and Gears. Uh, yeah. They just don't have that. Like, you can't make an Xbox version of Astro's Playroom where they're, or, or, or Super Smash Brothers, where it's this big celebration of, of this company's history. Like, Microsoft can't. Right, that. right. So, I think their view is just like, let's make sure as many games as possible can come here. And that's why they're really focused on indies as well. That's why, mm, you know, mm -hmm. when we see like Genesis Demora, you can play that on Switch. I right. didn't. You can play Cyber Shadow on Switch. I didn't. You could play right. uh, Call of the Sea on PC or, or, or you know, right. carry on in every console. I didn't. I played those all mm. on Game Pass. So 
I think that's really what they're going for. I think any third-party stuff they do is going to have that focus. Right. No, I think that's a great, great answer. Um, yeah, I think I bring it on every podcast, right? I, I think I've mentioned it on every E3 one we've done so far, but it's that, this idea of like the J- Jim Ryan's vision for PlayStation, right? Is like big blockbuster. We're leading with PlayStation Studios. And I don't think that's necessarily like a bad answer. I just think the way that they framed it has been kind of poor because it, it gives a sense that like we don't care about preservation. We don't care about our past. We don't care about the smaller indies and, and games like of that sort. Whereas Microsoft seems to be more of like an everyman, right? Like, like no, like everyone's along for the ride. We don't mind if you play you know, cross-platform with your buddies at PlayStation, your friends who are on PlayStation platforms. Uh, we don't care if you play on PC or Xbox. We don't care if you use your phone. Uh, we don't care whether if you're subscribed to Game Pass and you don't have an Xbox, that's cool. Like, it seems like there's a lot of pathways to success that, that Microsoft and Phil have envisioned for the platform. And I think that that's... It's not necessarily one is better than the other. I just think that it's... For Microsoft, it seems to be working. And, and so I'm excited to see how they build upon it. Uh, especially with a lot of these heavy hitters, presumably. And, and to your point, I when we talk about stuff like a Smash Brothers, it's true that Microsoft doesn't have like that kind of doesn't carry a lot of that same history. Now to get, to throw them a bone to give them cut them some slack, they haven't been around quite as long as you know Nintendo's been making games. I mean they've been around, but they haven't been making games as long as Nintendo has, or, or even Sony. Um, but I think there's. With the way that they're expanding their studios as of late, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the conversation shifts a little bit, you know, come next generation where we're like, wow, there are a lot of cool new IPs that Microsoft has been doing and, and a lot of their new characters. I don't know. I feel like hopefully that's that's something where they can start to shift perspective with regard to like their their first party, you know, their their lineup, their legacy. Um, but I guess it remains to be seen. Here's, here's the thing, though. Like, obviously... Sony wants these big blockbusters. And the way they're doing that, I think, is there's a part of it that I find admirable and a part of it that I find despicable. Uh, Maybe despicable is a strong word, but like the admirable part is they're not telling their studios on hand. They're not telling Santa Monica or Guerrilla Games, hey, we need you to make another uh, resistance game. Like, we want, we, we need these franchises every generation like they don't do that they're not saying we right. need another jack and daxter they don't say we need another uncharted maybe they more yeah. maybe those, those conversations are happening but it seems like they are they do let their studios try something different you know right uh, or, or or at least let them try a different concept you know sucker punch going from sly cooper to infamous to ghost of tsushima like that's microsoft doesn't seem like it has that going on uh, that, they're, that they're just sort of like, okay, we own Perfect Dark, we own Gears of War, let's just get somebody sure. working on those. We own Battletoads, let's get somebody working on that. And like, the, the, I think the people matter. Like, the people who actually create these IPs matter, and if they're not really involved yeah. anymore, it's yep. it's harder to get that, to have that work. The yeah. part I dislike about the Sony uh, part of it is they're still all kind of making the same game. They're still all kind of making yeah. big blockbuster cinematic uh, take themselves really seriously. And, you know, you need some stealth and you need some item management and you need some open world uh, mechanics. And it has to be really emotionally, like, gut-wrenching. And I just think that 
you kind of, like if you played Last of Us Part Two, Ghost of Tsushima, Uncharted Four, and uh, like God, God of War, War. All, all back to back to back, like you would feel like you're kind of playing one big game. It's that yeah, third person duo, you know, narrative centric cinematic experience, right? They <laughs> yeah, they, they've cornered the market on those games, and I think that's. Yeah. And again, I, I do like that they let them try something new. Like, I, I'm glad that God of War got to sort of try some, well, try something that people believed was new. Um, I think it's still right. mostly the same game as it was before. Yeah. But like, it, like I think that's cool. But I also think you're ultimately creating a lot of the same stuff. And I think with Microsoft, it's more we have, uh, right, we have guys who can work on gears. Just make gears. Like you can make some changes. You can make some narrative changes. But just make those games. And we'll get all these other studios and say, hey. Um, you know, Obsidian, you got the Outer Worlds. Do that, that's great. Right. We have right. some other people who are good at a lot of stuff. Hey, make Fable. Maybe that'll work out. Maybe it won't. But I, I do like at least that these are all different. That these are, that they're not sure. putting all their eggs in one basket. That they're, maybe none of them are really outstanding. You know, maybe we're not going to get like a, you know, I, I really like the Spider-Man games from Insomniac. I think those are, those are phenomenal games. And I don't think Microsoft produces anything that's at that level of like yeah. single player quality, but at least there's lots of different things. There's a million different things I can get on Xbox. I'm getting lots of different experiences from their studios and from the indies. Yeah, no, I think <clears throat> I I maybe it's a naive take on my end, but I part of me wants to believe that. I believe talent's king, right? I believe that you can have all the IPs in the world, like you can have Halo, you can have Gears, but if you don't have people that are that were there in the room where it happened when you made the the game, the successful games when it happened, like you're not really going to be able to replicate what fans liked about those games. So, I think it bodes well that by acquiring Bethesda, you're essentially bringing in fresh new talent. Like it's almost like Microsoft is using, you know, it's basically like we're bringing the talent to us, right? And that's going to attract more talent. Um, so I'm excited to see like what happens down the line. I think it's a lot of speculation in terms of like what could happen right here and now and, and kind of to kind of add some add, add some structure. So basically in terms of what we can expect from E3, um, you know, this E3 from Microsoft, it sounds like we kind of know most of the heavy, heavy hitters from the Xbox side for fall. It's the Halo, you know, Psychonauts, maybe Forza, Age of Empires, if you're that, that fan on PC, and then maybe leaning heavily on Bethesda since they have that kind of pipeline. It's like clockwork. They're able to churn out a lot of their, their big IPs. But kind of if we look at maybe getting more into like the, the wishful thinking, hopes and dreams for down the line when a lot of these kind of games that we've only seen CG for for now, when some of those start to hit, I'd be curious to kind of get your idea on when we might see some of these things. So maybe this is a good transition to go into our lightning round portion where I have <laughs> some hastily written up, hastily written around uh, questions. So I'm going to change up the format here from our Nintendo chat. So I'm looking at a list of Xbox studios uh, and I've kind of bolded ones I think are interested in terms of from a discussion standpoint, ones that maybe don't show up um on sunday but might you know might might not show up at e3 but but worth kind of posing a question for so um let's see i'm just scanning the list here let's start with a big one so the initiative right kind of the freshly formed microsoft studio kind of trying to compete with the likes of naughty dog create a quote-unquote quadruple a game right and we learned that that was perfect dark we saw some cg from it uh, a couple months back 
or maybe at this point, maybe it's like a year. I don't know what time is. Um, <laughs> do you think we see Perfect Dark in any capacity at this show, at this showcase? And if so, will it be another CG trailer or will we see gameplay? I think we'll see another CG trailer. Uh, I just, yeah, like that was a teaser we got. I guess it was at the Game Awards. This was like six months ago. Yeah, I don't. I I would be very surprised if they if we, if they like went in depth on Perfect Dark. Yeah, no, I I agree. Let's. What about another? Just note, that game is going to be nothing like the N sixty four game. I don't care what it is. Like it, I'm, I'm excited for what it's going to be. I, I love the N sixty four game. It's one of my favorite games of that era. But it's there's just no way it's going to be like just a regular first person shooter where you can no. throw a laptop gun against a wall and turn it into a turret. It's got to be something different. I think I think the technology has changed so much. The talent, right? It's a new studio. It's just like the IP is the same. But yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be completely different. Let's talk about another thing where it's going to be completely different. Odds are, um, so Playground, Fable, right? So new inheritors of this franchise. Personally, I'm very excited for it because I just think I, I share your sense. I'm not the biggest Forza Horizon person, but I can see the care and quality, like the craft behind those games and playground is obviously a, a driving factor behind that so when i hear that playground is now dipping its toes into a different ip in the form of fable which i also like but felt like lionhead didn't always do it justice i actually think it's it could be a, a match made in heaven my question for you is will we see fable will we see another trailer some kind of form of gameplay from fable and do you think it if so will it overwhelm underwhelm what's your sentiment on on that side of House. I, th I think we'll definitely see a little bit, of, at least a mention of Fable. Like, I think it was their one one more thing last summer in one yeah. of their big uh, Series X game showcases. I think that's definitely something they want to highlight as a big deal. Uh, yeah. Playground games, you know, who knows? Well, I know, I know I think a lot of the people that worked at Playground were like previous, they worked previously on like Burnout and other racing games. So I'm really curious about that transition is it going to be like when you know david bowie decided to do a funk album or is it going to right. be or it could be like you know uh, craig mazin who was one of the main creators of the scary movie franchises sure. like those are all terrible but he also uh was the creator of chernobyl on hbo and that was phenomenal like maybe or it could be the other way maybe they try something new and it doesn't work out but i think it's going to be a maybe a cg trailer with like some gameplay Ashes, kind of like that first Breath of the Wild, that first, like when Breath of the Wild yeah. had that trailer a few years ago, where it's like, we're not showing you actual gameplay in this trailer, we're, but we're showing you like what it might look like to play this yeah. game. Yeah, like a um, proof of concept, yeah. Yeah, proof of concept, maybe. Uh, yeah, that's where, again, that's probably another year or two away, but I, I, think, yeah. I think they'll definitely make something out of that. Gotcha. Yeah, um... Another one that I'm kind of like on the fence on whether we see or not is Ninja Theory and Hellblade. So I know you mentioned that we might see it. Do you think if they do bring... Because, I mean, that's the other thing that's on my mind with Xbox is they've gotten some flack in the past for being like too CG heavy. Like they promise gameplay and then it turns out not to be... Like then it's like not even... It might not be CG, but it's like all right, in-game non-HUD cutscenes uh, or, or, or gameplay footage, but you're not actually seeing what you're actually going to be playing. You know, you're not going to... It's not a great slice do you think with all that in mind like do you think we see another trailer from hellblade because it does seem like it's kind of far out like they're giving us like a oh like shots over scotland or whatever they're filming or they're doing their research and i'm like oh this game's <laughs> this game's kind of far out it seems like um i actually wouldn't be shocked where do you think they're at i wouldn't be shocked if we didn't see this at all like i know i said yeah. maybe like maybe we'll see something but 
Because since they unveiled the Series X for the first time, and they had this as one of the trailers for it, they we we haven't seen anything for this game yeah, since then. Yeah. So I wonder if it's they needed to tease something, but maybe this game is probably another couple years away. Yeah. And again, Ninja Theory, you know they've they've worked on a lot of games over the years, but it's not like right. You know they they it's not like they're churning out a game every three or four years. Like they're right. They they take their time and they should. And yeah. I, I I imagine when Microsoft brought them into the fold, uh, they there was that understanding of you know you just whatever you need to do, whatever you need, whatever time, whatever resources, just make sure that gets done at, at the highest quality possible. Because I I really do think that that Microsoft wants Hellblade to become a Microsoft franchise. Yeah. No. It was was a PS4 exclusive at first. So. (laughs) No. It it almost feels like they're teeing them up to be a sort of. I kind of want to compare them to what Gears was for the 360, right? Where it's like huge tech, a game that's standing behind a huge, ginormous piece of tech, right? With that kind of face. Now with Senua, it's like you know you're capturing all the facial capture there. It looks awesome, but it's like they got to back it up with like a compelling game. Whereas. I almost feel like that's kind of where the space that Gears was in was just like a brand that was a brand new IP, but like all about like really capturing the minds of like what's possible in a new generation. So I, I agree that's not the kind of game that you really want to rush out. Psychonauts, it's kind of like that's niche. People, you know, it's cool. People want Psychonauts, but it's not like make or break like a Hellblade. Especially if they're assuming that Halo is going to be like a big thing for a while. Like they don't need yeah. Hellblade to be the focus. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, the Outer Worlds, I know there's been, I don't want to go too far into rumors just because I, you know, yeah, I, we'll see soon enough, but rumors, um, <laughs> but <laughs> do you, do you think we see, uh, an announcement or some kind of tease for Outer Worlds too? You know, I heard that and that seems like, like probable, um, I, I mean, whether smoke, there's fire, I would much rather see more of Avowed, that other Obsidian game, yeah. like that seems like a lot. That seems way, way up their alley. And the other worlds, like I liked the other worlds a lot. I thought it was a very good game. Right. But it also is just another like Fallout-like game. It wasn't really pushing any boundaries. Right. It was doing some cool right. narrative things, but it was also it was scratching an itch more than it was innovating. So I don't know. But yeah, I, I think we'll see something on that. Because clearly that was a popular game. That was a game that again, another thing that Microsoft wants, they want their uh like banner. To have different spacemen with helmets and guns. They have the Doom guy, they have Master Chief, and they'll have the Outer Worlds person. Like they want that's what they want you to and maybe No Man's Sky. Like yeah. these are the Xbox games. It's spaceman, helmets, giant gun. Sure. Yep. You you leaned into my my next question, which is Avowed. I mean, I we don't know, I guess we don't know enough about Avowed to really say, but it does seem at first glance from that trailer, it's like, oh, it's like kind of like a Skyrim-esque game, an Elder Scrolls kind of game, which gets kind of complicated when you consider the fact that now Bethesda's part of the Xbox family. What do you think releases first? Do you think Avowed releases first, or do you think Elder Scrolls? Uh, this is pure speculation. I know we're not going to probably get a release date or anything from either game at E3, but I'm, I'm curious, like gut reaction. I know they're different studios, but since they're similar spaces, what do you think actually is farther along? What do you think comes out first? I'm going to say that... I think now that with this Outer Worlds 2 rumor coming in, Plus, like, they're still working on Grounded. That's still an early access. Yep. Um, yep. I wouldn't be surprised if Obsidian, like, has some stuff going for Avowed, but that maybe that maybe they're much farther away than we think. Uh, yeah. And, I, and if one thing is, if one thing 
If there's one thing that Bethesda has shown us over the years is if it's like 80% ready to go, they'll just release it. Like there'll, there'll be a ton of bugs, ton of stuff they have to fix later. You know, you know, sometimes it's Fallout 76 and it's unplayable. Sometimes it's Skyrim and people just sort of get over it after a while. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if like they have some new game engines or assets for Starfield and Elder Scrolls 6 and are just sort of like, well, we can kind of release these, you know, maybe Starfield is next year and maybe Elder Scrolls 6 is a year after that. So we'll see. I, I, I guess okay. my final answer is I think Elder Scrolls 6 by the yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Do you, do you have any kind of hopes that you want to see from Starfield? Is there any expectations you have around that IP? Because I know it's going for more of the sci-fi, how could anyone open world sci-fi game. How could anyone possibly have expectations for this game right now? We don't know anything I mean, about what, this game. Not expectations, but what would you... I, I don't know, like, is there any void in kind of your gaming... I don't know, wants <laughs> that, like... Was there something you'd want the game to be? Not that, you know, it might be unfair, <laughs> I hope, I, I hope it's like I hope it I hope it seems it feels like a cross between No Man's Sky and Mass Effect where okay. I hope there's a lot of like open space exploration um, you know that's that's one of the fun things about the Elder Scrolls games I'm thinking more of like Elder Scrolls in space rather than yeah. Fallout in space but I hope it does have mm. like some of those narrative like not like necessarily the way Mass Effect goes or the Bioware games go really deep into these relationships but just something on the long lines of I want to be able to go to a planet, explore and then go yeah. to a little like space base and then do right. random quests where I try to find out if there's someone who's actually a robot. I guess that's a yeah. quest. But yeah, yeah, that's I guess that's what I hope the game is. But we have I don't know. I, I know. It's impossible to say. I, I know we're gonna we're gonna get like an info dump hopefully soon and be like, wow, like that's nothing. <laughs> like when, I, I I'm kind of in your boat where I would love tonally it to be a little bit closer to the Skyrim or a Mass Effect side where it's like hopeful ish, like more of like a sense of awe and wonder and more like I don't want to I don't want it to be like Prey or Fallout where I'm like exploring desolate space stations and being like, oh, I feel so alone. Like I kind of hope it's more of like, yeah, like. You know, go meet up with either your friends if there's a co-op element, or go up meet up with your fictional NPC friends and and go do cool adventures. It would also be cool to have like some of those No Man's Sky elements of you go to a planet and you have to sort of like figure out what to do there. You have to scan some things, right. you know, maybe do some mining, maybe befriend some local creatures. Like I think what I really hope they don't have is a ton of like settlement crafting like there was in Fallout Four. Like I just I hate how every game needs to do this now, where it's like, yeah. this way you can build your own house. And I'm like, some people really want that. I extremely don't want that in in like a Bethesda-style game. Just let me roam around and sleep at motels and sleep at like bed and breakfasts and, or if just find, or I can fall out, just find a mattress in the middle of nowhere, like under an overpass. I don't know. Just, get, just yeah, make it so that I'm just a wanderer and I can do wanderer stuff. All right, I'll give you two more rapid fire. Um, machine gun games, will we see indie? Will we see Indiana Jones? Will we see gameplay? Um, we're, not seeing, we're not seeing gameplay of Indiana Jones. I don't think Too so. far out? Yeah. Yeah, here's the thing. Like, I, I really hate what these, what these developers and publishers are doing now with like the Twitter t- tease. Of, like, here's yeah. five seconds of here's the whip and here's the hat and like they're and like are you 
how are you just like letting us know you're doing something or do you actually want right. us to like i don't know I, I i much prefer the way nintendo has handled these things in the past where i'd rather shigeru Miyamoto go on stage and just say we are working on a new pikmin game and then nothing else then yep. give it give us the, this like three second cg thing just to yeah yeah it saves some people the effort of making a, a thing in the office and just like be candid in an interview. <laughs> yeah, just just give yeah. them a, a Q and A that you post on your uh, website. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, indie. I don't know. If, I don't know if Indiana Jones game is anywhere near. I also, my guess is they. I know there's there is a new Indiana Jones movie in production. Right. I assume that I don't want to be. I don't think it's going to be a tie-in, but they probably want it to be close. Like, I, it's kind of like how I think Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 came out like a few months after Endgame. Like, they probably want yeah. something like that, where it's now that this is fresh in people's minds, maybe, oh, that was a cool game. Or like uh, Batman Arkham City came out a little bit before The Dark Knight Rises. So there's just a lot of, you know, excitement over that. I think Indies got that close. I wouldn't be surprised if another Wolfenstein game is shown here. That's why I'm machine games. More interesting. Style. Yeah, that was going to be okay. Interesting. So maybe we see that first. Yeah, I see that. Maybe something to Indiana Jones was just to get people hyped up. But maybe there's something close, you know, closer term that we're going to see. All right. Last last question. Uh, this is more of a far out one because I feel like there's only so many. Are we going to see gameplay? You know, what's the release date? Things I can ask. So this is another one that's kind of far out. But OK, so I'm going to give you three studios. Of the studios, what do you think? What do you think the likelihood is? You know, who's most likely to kind of branch out and stop doing their current IP, um, or at least what they've been doing, and come up with something fresh for the next go around? So I'm, I'm going to say three, four, three. I'm going to say coalition, and I'm going to say shoot, who did who did I already have? Um, I mean, I guess that's good enough question. On oh, it was going to be Mojang. So I'm giving you three that are kind of known as being. That's known as being the Halo, the Gears, and the and the Minecraft studio. And I know that we we know, for example, that Halo Infinite, that this is likely going to be the last Halo game, at least for a while. And we know that for Coalition, we know Gears, uh, that they're working on some kind of prototype that's not Gears 6. So I'm aware of that. But if you think, what's the, which studio is probably going to have a game come out, like the highest likelihood of a game actually coming out that's not going to be named one of those three IP? Uh, um, that's a tough one. I, well, especially because 343 and The Coalition are named after things <laughs> yeah. in those franchises. Right, right. Like, it's not like... like could, could you imagine if 343 Industries decide to take, like, the Banjo-Kazooie mantle? Like, <laughs> like, or, or, or if, like... Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, I think Mojang probably has... I think they're the most likely to experiment with their own IP and make like tons of different Minecraft stuff. I don't know if, yeah, I guess almost like Mojang seems to be the most likely only because I just cannot imagine 343 doing something that's not Halo. The Coalition, I think they want to expand Gears as a franchise, clearly with Gears Tactics, they were trying something new. And I think like, again, I, I personally have a hard time with a lot of like XCOM style games. Like they just, after a few hours, they get kind of, boring or, or stressful to me. Sure. But that was a very well-designed game. Like, I played it and I thought, this is really going to scratch the itch for people who love these kind of tactical games. Uh, it was really well done. Um, so I think if they tried to branch out and maybe make, you know, a Gears-style 
uh, or, or Gears inspired uh, or RTS or maybe even uh, some more stress, some, something other than the strategy realm or even something take, take out of, take out of war entirely and make something like a Fallout Shelter but for, for Gears. Mm. Yeah. Um, they'll like, they might do more of that. But yeah, Mojang I think seems to be the most likely to try something different. But again, cool. so I just, All right. what's 343 going to do? What are they, they're they're, they're the, the Halo company. They're the Halo developer. Why would Microsoft have them do anything that's yeah. not Halo? I mean, I don't know. It's like not, I mean, Naughty Dog, not that, not that the name Naughty Dog means really anything related to their games, but they were kind of, I don't know, like they were able to reinvent themselves and, you know, they had the confidence to say Uncharted, we're done with, right? And I assume eventually they'll say the same thing for The Last of Us. Um, I would, I don't know. I would love to see 343 feel empowered or Microsoft to empower them to be like, you know, Halo, we know that was Bungie's baby. Like, is there something that you all want to do? That isn't Halo, right? And it could be, I guess, anything, right? Like, I, I understand that the name is is kind of alluding to their history and what they were built to do, but it could also they could always rebrand it too. They could always just kind of take some of the talent and move it elsewhere. I know that would be like a big deal, but yeah, well, I think that's one. I, I say never say never. I think that's why I think Mojang is the most likely. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Like, you know, they developers are developers. They probably want to do lots of different things, um, and. I just think Mojang, they want the IP of Minecraft more than anything else. And now they right. have the IP of Minecraft. It doesn't have Mojang that makes those games. Uh, I mean, it's, it will be Mojang, but it's clear that like, they have the people, they have the talent. They can probably branch off. Whereas Microsoft built the Coalition and 343 for Gears and Halo. It's not like Naughty Dog where right. Naughty Dog decided to stop making Crash Bandicoot and make Jack and Daxter and then decided to stop making Jack sure. and Daxter they can chart it. Right. Halo, Microsoft's like, we own Halo. We want you guys to do the new Halo. And that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I love the answer. I <laughs> guess we'll, <laughs> it'll be so long until we, we'll have to go back on, on this episode and be like, all right, did any of this stuff, like what happened with that? Because I just feel it, like it, with it, Microsoft. If, if you, me, and Kay did like a, a review of our, our predictions and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Then we're just going to get like Inception style, which is just like review of the review of the, re- you know, the grading of the grading. Um, yeah, that'll be a fun little post exercise for us all. But uh, I, I mean, like in for, any case, uh, it's. I'd like for me and Kay to give the opposite grades on every single. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, this is why having a, a cast of personalities is so fun. But all right, I, I've taken you over, Sam. I don't want to. I mean, as always, thanks for, for being on the show. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on Xbox Bethesda. What are, any final thoughts you want to share in terms of what you hope to see? A message to people in general. What do you want to share? Um, I, I will be honest. Like besides Nintendo, Microsoft is always the E3 show I'm, I'm most interested in because mm-hmm. they're just all over the place. Um, and it's really unpredictable. I thought they had one of the best shows of 2018 and one of the worst shows of 2019. So right. it can it can go anywhere. Uh, I'm I'm excited. I, I think I'm very happy with my ownership of an Xbox Series X, uh, not to be, you know, this pro corporate, you know, shell or whatever. I, I just, I like this, the system. I play it a lot. It's a lot of fun. And I'm excited for Microsoft to, as they do every year, get me really excited for games I know I will never play. So that's how, that's how E3 works every year. It's like, oh, this, I remember telling like, oh man, Rage 2 looks cool. I want to play this. And it was on Game Pass. I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 
I'm just waiting for some kind of stealth drop where it's like, hey, like you can play this on Game Pass today or tomorrow or something. Oh, that'd be, and, that'd uh, be cool. Yeah, that'll be a nice little fun addition. But yeah, should be should be a fun show. But yeah. again, Sam, thanks for having, thanks for being a guest as always. Ever rotating second chair. This feels weird to say, but uh, hopefully we can do more th- more things like this. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Awesome. All right. Well, and to those listening, thank you for listening. And as always, peace out.